Law Talk with Bill Sherwood is brought to you by Sherwood Legal Services. The lawyers on air are not able to give advice about any given person's legal problem over the air. Giving legal advice requires confidentiality. Attorney-client privilege won't protect conversations literally being broadcast from a radio. If you call into this show, the attorneys don't represent you unless you sign a retainer. No paperwork, no representation. You have no expectation of privacy or attorney-client privilege on a call. This is a live broadcast. It does not get less confidential than this. The attorneys can't predict how any given legal matter will turn out. Lawyers give legal advice. They can't give you tailored advice about your legal problems without an in-person interview. Please call in with your general legal questions. This is Talk Radio 680, WCBM, and WCBM.com. It's time now for Law Talk with Bill Sherwood. Hello, everybody out there. This is Bill Sherwood. I am joined again by John Koch, who's back from the beach this time. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's it's back, and you're back, too. You're yeah. out. You know? Yeah, and uh, Yosef is here. And today we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about all the Supreme Court's uh, news items that have been going on as of late and try to help maybe get everybody on the same page about a little bit of background of the Supreme Court decisions as of late and even how a case gets to the Supreme Court. Uh, first off, I need to say happy birthday to America. It's, we're coming up on our 242nd birthday, oh, yeah. and you could actually say that maybe things are a little more complicated out there than they have been in the past. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, but I tell you what, though, the Fourth of July is by far my favorite holiday of the entire year. I, I was out last night uh, at, in our community in Jacksonville watching fireworks, and just the. You had the you had the uh, the National Guard was out and the flag and people were we had a woman singing God Bless America and the the national anthem and it just it still gives you chills you know it's just it's just Good. we live in the greatest country in the world and uh, we have our problems I know but uh, <laughs> this is my favorite holiday of the year for or, sure or as our friends across the pond would say Happy Treason Day right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, you know I think in the in the, for starting this off. You know, we we should probably have our resident uh, Supreme Court uh, specialist, Yosef, give everybody a good primer here. Um, he's very eloquent, so we're going to let him take the take yeah. run with this in the be- beginning. I got to be the resident Supreme Court <laughs> expert. I think that You're means I read like you know ten percent more than everyone else, and now I'm an expert. Yeah. Um, but so the reason the Supreme Court's in the news is that Anthony Kennedy decided to retire. Um, effectively at the end of the month, but realistically, they've already started the mad scramble to replace him. And it's also, it's one of these great scrambles where we, we already kind of know the outcome because the Republicans have a majority in the Senate and the filibuster has, you know, for judicial nominees has finally died the death of a thousand cuts. And so what's going to happen is Trump's going to nominate someone. He's probably going to nominate a very respectable conservative justice. And then the Senate's going to go and confirm him. Um, and uh, it will be a done deal mm-hmm. um, because the Democrats realistically under the present political system have no veto power. They don't have enough votes. Um, so they're just going to scream and gnash their teeth because mm-hmm. that's what one does in the American political system. Um, and especially these days, it's just you know, like gnash your teeth until they go down. <laughs> Dentists are probably loving it. Right. Um, and this is for lawyers. This is a huge big deal. And it's not just, you know, a level of, you know, celebrity fanboying and, you know, chasing Supreme Court justice to go get a to go meet a famous justice or see them speak. Um, and so, Yosef, in layman's terms, how, how does the court break down now? How do the numbers rise? So how, how right many, now, yeah. there are 
uh, three reliable liberal votes, or mm-hmm. uh, four, because you got Kagan, Sotomayor, and Breyer, and Ginsburg. Did you say reliable liberal? You get reliable liberal okay. votes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are three rock solid conservatives. Okay. Um, uh, Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas. Okay. And there were two swing votes, Roberts and Kennedy. Um, and when we say swing votes, we mean they're conservatives who occasionally adopt moderate positions. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would have any illusions about the fact that John, John Roberts is a very conservative justice by the, in a, in a mag, in a, you know, a general scheme. But he's also a lot more moderate than, say, Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, he decided that Obamacare was a tax. Right. Um, I, that, that blew my mind, but you know, it's, uh, it's the law of the land now. I remember having to brief that decision for Warkin. Okay, I had that as a Supreme Court final. That's yeah. a, a final in Common Law One. True story. In my uh, previous, you know, in UMBC, my last year at UMBC, my assignment for a pre-law course was that you had to go write a brief on Obamacare and you had to discuss this Commerce Clause issue, and you also and. Um, I was very into the news, so I very much followed the constitutional arguments about the uh, about the right to gay marriage, and those were the big Supreme Court decisions. The term that I was in law school taking the class on common law one, which is the constitutional law of this area, and those were my final questions. It was not a fair exam. Um, okay. I had kind of already written the answer to it before I even took the class, and needless to say, I got a very good and, in my opinion, totally undeserved grade. Um, because I'm sure I answered the questions rightly, but it was a fluke, and it was deeply unfair as a question type. It rewarded the wrong things. But um, what matters in terms of this is that the balance of the Supreme Court is going to shift, and it's going to shift towards the conservatives. And uh, one of the reasons for the T-Snatch is you can imagine a world in which this shifted towards the liberals. Yeah, right. um, because uh, Gorsuch is the nominee to replace Scalia. Right. If the election had gone the other way... Then there would be then Hillary Clinton would be nominating someone, right. and you would have five liberal votes, yeah. and five liberal votes would have enormous or, impacts changing may, the constitutional or law, or maybe more because you know you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know she's been there for a while, yeah. and she probably would have retired had Trump not won. Right. I remember yep. hearing some exactly, and that gets into one of the, the big problems with the Supreme Court is that very noticeably ever since the eighties and Robert Bork, the Supreme Court has been getting more and more political. Right. Um, and ever yeah. it's called, quote, working is to shoot down a judge for partisan reasons. But the sad truth is that that's how it works these days. Yeah. And the result is whoever controls the court controls the Constitution. Yeah. So so question to the attorneys. How, how does a case get to the Supreme Court with these these big decisions that are going to that are going to happen down well, the road? You, you right? We're going to have the case needs to have a federal question. Well, mm-hmm. let's start. First, you only get you don't always get federal. It has to implicate a federal thing. Right. But it's more than that. In order to get in, you don't just need to reference the federal constitution somehow. You basically get in on three or four grounds. You get in because you have a conflict between the federal circuits and the Supreme Court needs to resolve the law because there can only be one law. And if the Fourth Circuit, which is the circuit court that covers this area, like Virginia, says one thing and the D.C. Circuit, which covers the city of District of Columbia and all those federal agencies, says another, then someone has to go and resolve You need a referee. You need a referee. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's that, that, that function. They, you can also get in if the the one of the state uh, equivalent courts in Maryland's the Court of Appeals um, decides a question with federal implications, and the uh, and people you can appeal that to the Supreme Court, and especially if you are a state challenging your own Supreme Court, then you usually get in. Um, you also get in if you have an issue of great interest in first impression. So, for example, Masterpiece Cake is an example of that. Everyone was kind of interested. It's a new area of law, so the Supreme Court took a look at it. And then didn't decide it, which is something I think we might get to later. Yeah. Um, but those are your, your routes. And it's very hard to get served. They hear about 100 cases a year. Um, and it's actually going down 
in the historic term and the long in the stream of history if you look at it from a big perspective. Um, and you only get in by special permission. You don't have a right to go there. You're in a, a federal court. You either get a final judgment from your circuit court of appeal or your federal circuit court or your state supreme court, and then you uh, then you file cert. And uh, for a certiorari petition, and most of the time you then get rejected Just out of denied. hand. <laughs> I mean, your, your odds of getting in are about one in a hundred. Yeah. And you only get in if you're an edge case. Um, like for example, if the Supreme Court says, "Oh, it's an issue of first impression," and you know the Fourth Circuit got it right, then they probably won't take your case. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think that looking at that system, you would think that you should probably basically always see five close cases because mm-hmm. if it's not a close case, then it didn't get to the Supreme Court. Well, you see, like, what the Supreme Court is also supposed to. Avoid political questions. Well, so, you know, and there's, I, there's, I, a, there's some ambiguity. There's a doctrine yeah. that says mm-hmm. certain political questions are political, right. and by which they mean is tell it to Congress. Right. You know, so for example, if you don't like the way the Senate rules are written, then you need to tell it to the Senate. You do, the court is not there to go sort out every problem; it's there to sort out legal problems, and it will avoid questions of you know political wisdom. Uh, to quote Scalia, "Just because a rule is stupid does not mean it's unconstitutional," <laughs> um, and. It, and it's also the Supreme Court has historically tried to be a very uh, conservative body in the sense, like a small conservative, it likes small changes. Right. It rarely announces major policy things to try to compel the branches of government to do things. And it tends to, uh, tends to pursue the least, uh, the least controversial outcome it can. Masterpiece Cake is a great example of that. You have seven right. votes to not decide the question. Right. And the reason they do that is because that least law developed and the Supreme Court is effectively the arbiter of last resort for constitutional questions. So if they get something wrong, then you might have a generation of bitter fighting until they, until the Supreme Court majority flips. That recently happened in the public uh, public sector union case, right? Um, where they overruled their own precedent. And it's it's generally a mess. So they take very small steps. And I think a lot of the um, a lot of the justices look at you know, their legacy going forward, too. I mean, they don't, you know, they are worried, and maybe in some aspects, they don't want to be the one that maybe broke <laughs> broke the United States for whatever reason. And they want to, I think they, they want to make sure that they're, they're making things right. So if they, maybe they don't know all the implications of a big decision. Like, did all the justices know what they were doing when they decided Roe v. Wade, how that was going to divide right. everybody, right? right? Yep. They had no way of knowing. Probably not. You well, you know, know exactly. it's a, it was a different era of court back then. The, the right. Warren Court was much more willing to make these broader pronouncements about your constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, the Supreme Courts have been getting more conservative, in part because of the backlash over Roe v. Wade. Um, and regardless of what you think of the decision, one of the things the Supreme Court's decision objectively did is it turned abortion into the biggest and worst political football this country has ever known. Um, and regardless of the merits, it, it shows it's one of the consequences of the Supreme Court deciding the case was to take away the Democratic outlet for that mm-hmm. and drive the culture of borking and politicization of the courts because people, rational people looked at this and said, if you want to control what this, this constitutional undemoc- this constitutional mandate that cannot be challenged by the democratic process, mm-hmm. then what do you do? Well, you take over the court. You put in your, you put in your, the political reliability appointees who are going to do what you want because that's how you control the constitution. Yeah. And if you do that, 
that doesn't matter if you lose the election. That's why every, you know, every politician that's been running for any major office has had the litmus test in the last you know, 30 years of what they would have thought about Roe v. Wade. Yep. You know, I mean, it's, it was such, I mean, I remember just from being a kid growing up listening to, you know, uh, Reagan running for office and right. George Bush 41 running for office. Yep. It was such a big deal. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and you see that even in polling when people like when they, there's polls that say, well, what are the reasons that people support a given nominee? For the Republicans, one of the reasons is that they care about the Supreme Court. And that's because they're rational, because if you have five solid votes in the Supreme Court, and it's worth remembering that, that the conservatives were about to lose their majority on it. But if right. you have five votes, then you can lose elections without consequence, because your team, cynics would say, will discover reasons why the other guy's policies are unconstitutional. And I, I think that's part of the reason why we're having such a, a you know a big, you know, I guess, f- meltdown on the political discourse right now, because, you know, Team Blue feels that it, you know, it should have won the last time around. Mm-hmm. By every poll and everything, they thought Hillary was going to run, right. Right. and they thought that this generation was going to be the generation of liberal and pushing it for, you know, they would have had the last, you know, the, the last two mm-hmm. uh, nominees and the next one when Ruth Bader Ginsburg goes out. Right. So, you know, no, I think exactly. that's... It, it, it changed just, the Constitution. Right. And cynics would say, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a place where you can be too cynical, but also I think a lot of citizens is well-deserved with this level of um, political stakes. Right. That if the election had gone the other way, then the Democrats would have wound up with three young liberal justices, and then the Democrats would have been able to declare what the Constitution required, regardless of their electoral fortunes, um, for the next, you know, probably the next 20 years. Can, can Supreme Court decisions be overturned a, ba- a major decision right, and then keep keep that uh oh, no. keep that uh, thought there we're getting ready to go to break uh callers chime in 410-922-6680-1800-922-6680 call in and give us your input on the state of supreme court more after this stump yosef <laughs> synergy realty company llc is a boutique real estate brokerage built to serve you thinking about selling your home Sellers just mention this ad to list your home for sale with a 1.5% listing fee, which includes a home staging consultation and professional photography. Call 443-776-1846. We also have buyers covered. If you know a first-time home buyer, have them call 443-776-1846 to sign up for a free home buyer seminar that could save them thousands on closing costs, home inspections, and warranties. Are you a real estate investor? Maximize your portfolio by calling 443-776-1846 to schedule a free consultation. Or visit Synergy Realty Company online at SynergyRealtyExperts.com. Or call them, 443-776-1846. Sean Casey here for Clearview Window and Door Company. Spring is here. It's the perfect time to replace your windows and take advantage of their 7-year, 0% financing or up to 25% off project rebates. And all their windows are made right here in the USA. Most have a lifetime warranty, but let's not forget about the installation. Here's what Sam, the owner, had to say. I've often said to to people, 50% of the job is the quality of the product you're installing, and the other 50% is how well they're installing it. So if you buy a great window and you don't have a great installer, you're not going to wind up with the best possible scenario for your home with a window. Visit one of Clearview showrooms or simply go online at getclearview.com. That's getclearview.com. 
Call the Parkville Showroom at 410-668-1110 or the Hunt Valley Showroom at 410-771-0771. We're here from 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Well, we've definitely 1-800-GOT-SOME-JUNK. See all that stuff in the yard? Yes, sir. We're moving, and that's just part of the stuff we're not taking. Would you do something for me, ma'am? Like what? Would you wave your arm across the yard? Like this? Wow, how did... That was fun! We work until midnight, seven days a week. Just call us 90 minutes before you need us to be there. 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.COM. Spice up your wardrobe with Needlepoint. Baldwin Belts is a Baltimore-based Needlepoint company offering Maryland-themed and other various custom-designed belts as well as accessories. All their products are 100% hand-stitched, handmade, and are guaranteed to last. Choose from one of Baldwin Belts' unique designs or customize your own belt to tell your individual story. Their custom-made products make great wedding gifts and graduation presents. Have a big event coming up? Customize a key fob to use as promotional product or gift item. Visit BaldwinBelts.com for more information. Most doctors are not trained to diagnose and treat hidden car accident injuries like muscle spasms, back pain, neck pain, and headaches. The problem is that soft tissue injuries are not always visible on x-rays. One of the best ways to detect hidden injuries is a thermography scan. Call Dr. Mitch Adolph, D.C. at 1711 York Road, Lutherville, 1-800-511-BACK. To schedule your free thermography scan, space is limited. Call 800-511-BACK today to schedule your free thermography scan. No one should face a crisis alone. Reaching out can be hard, but with help comes hope. If you or a loved one is suffering from addiction, depression, or thoughts of suicide, reach out now. Maryland Crisis Connect is here to help. Call 211-PRESS-1 to speak with a call specialist who really cares. That's 211-PRESS-1 or visit MarylandCrisisConnect.org. Your life matters. Reach out. We are here to help. We are the Maryland Department of Health. The views and opinions you hear on Talk Radio 680, WCBM, and WCBM.com are not necessarily those of the owners, management, employers, and advertisers of WCBM. But they should be. And now more of Law Talk with Bill Sherwood on Talk Radio 680 WCBM and WCBM.com. And we're back on a very hot Sunday. Uh, don't go outside. You'll melt. Hide in the air conditioner and listen to us. We swear we will keep you awake with SCOTUS Talk today. No. Um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about off air during the break was, uh, you know, the filibuster came back up in the conversation. I just brought it back up. And I was, you know... As glad as I was to see where things are kind of moving on it, I actually think that it was a good thing because it gave whomever wasn't in power mm-hmm. a chance to at least have a fight against right. whatever the majority was. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a political atheist. I don't believe in any of them. Okay. So, like, you know, <laughs> political I'm a political atheist. Get, I love right? that. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I like the idea of checks and balances. And if you've got one side in power and they're bullying the other side, yeah. at least give them a little bit of a voice. Yeah. Now, I know it's it's kind well, of been gutted now, so well, the, it's a new point. I'd say mm-hmm. it's probably, it's effectively dead. Because yeah. the problem, when once you have a uh, 
once you have a, a rule that says that you need, oh, you need 60 votes until you change the rule, and you don't need 60 votes to change the rule, then the rule <laughs> doesn't mean much. And that's what happened. They, over the like, last five years, they killed it. Wasn't like Ted Cruz reading like Dr. Seuss or something so, rather for his filibuster? Yeah, they, well, they used to, they used to do that, but there's actually, the, in terms of its history, the, it used to be you needed to stand there on the Senate floor and talk and talk and talk. Parks and, and Rex has a great episode where uh, Leslie Lope stands and, and filibusters for yeah. uh, an evening. It's a very entertaining. Right. <laughs> exactly. and, and the thing about that filibuster is that it was hard. It was personally taxing to talk for 24 hours. So like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Rand Paul did a big filibuster about the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. Right. And that kind of filibuster delays legislation for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. But right. I think about 40 years ago, before my times was a bit vague, they changed the filibuster rule and said that now you can just filibuster by uh, getting uh, 41 senators to say you can filibuster. And that filibuster is very easy to exercise. And over time, it became exercised more and more and more until the, the hard reality was that no one could confirm anyone to anything or get anything done. So eventually, after a lot of threatening and back and forth, the Democrats took away the filibuster for non-Supreme Court nominees. So the Republicans took it away for Supreme Court nominees. Right. And honestly, like, the filibuster was dead because no one honored it and because it had become a way for the government to become dysfunctional. Right. Because, like, mm-hmm. they need to nominate judges. The government's dysfunctional? Yeah. They, they, yes, I'm shocked. I, they I, they I didn't understaff really... the federal judiciary to the point it makes, it delays cases right. and impairs the ability to do justice. And they needed to confirm people and eventually the filibuster was going to go. But one of the consequences is that it makes it much easier for a party with a, uh, a president and a senate to uh, confirm, uh, fill every vacant seat. And right. I'm not certain that's good for the long-term of democracy because our courts are uber-powerful right? Um, and more powerful, I think, than perhaps they should be. And the result is that, you know, when the, the in, in American politics, first you go up and then you go down in a never-ending cycle. And eventually you're going to have people who are up but have no judges because the last guys got smart and filled every vacant seat. Mm. Um, in a way that I think the Democrats in 2008 should have and didn't. But they were, you know, people were thick and the Republicans weren't. Right. Well... I mean, there was there was also some hubris on the on part of the left. Once they yep. had Obama in, they thought they'd keep on winning elections, and no one right. wins, no one keeps winning elections. Yeah. That's the right. the one certainty in American politics is that when you get to the top of the greasy pole, you then immediately slide off it. Right, um, and that's been happening for basically like thirty years. Right. I mean, how many times have we seen a party stay in power in between presidential elections? Um, you know, I mean, so uh, hmm. the record so far recently has been three: Reagan, Bush. Right. Um, and before Reagan, Bush, it had been flip flopping. You had the last time you had a streak was FDR, Truman. Right. And FDR was a whole different political animal. Right. And I'm not certain that anything before 1968 should be considered relevant when asking about modern American politics. Well, honestly, I think Bush 41 would have got a second term if it wouldn't have been for a bad economy and Ross Perot. Yeah, that it was, was a perfect yep. storm yeah. that, you know, kind of knocked him out of place. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Exactly. But, you yeah. know, that's true of a lot of, uh, a lot of systems. There's a lot of uh, chance in that. So right. we don't know whether it's impossible. We can just say that it's basically unlikely. You usually don't get three terms in a row. Right. But focusing in on the, on the, the filibuster and the role for judicial nominations, one of the consequences of the filibuster rule is that people had a big incentive to come find someone who could get through the filibuster and get voted on. Mm-hmm. And until you got to, um, until uh, Merrick Garland, Obama nominated Garland, they'd always succeeded. But right. then the Republicans said, wait a second, there's going to be an election in a year. What if we win? And said no. Right. And they just didn't have a vote on them. And the result is that instead of Scalia's conservative seat, Mm-hmm. Switching, which is the third conservative seat, bec- mm-hmm. becoming a liberal seat or a moderate seat, um, because oh. Garland was considered a moderate before he was nominated. So instead of that happening, Gar- Scalia switched out for Gorsuch, who basically votes like a younger version of Scalia. 
Right. Well, he, well, well Gorsuch hasn't been cons- uh, consistently conservative. He has had some. Can you, you name know, one? Um, it was I was off the top of my head. I was there was one where he kind of he went he broke left, and I'm trying to remember the I name. Mean, of the Scalia case. broke left a lot too. People yeah. Scalia wasn't a mon- wasn't a monolith. Right. Um, for example, if you were a criminal defendant, then Scalia was often your best friend. Right. Um, Scalia discovered all sorts of new protections for criminal defendants that no one had ever thought of. Right. Um, but. Um, and, you know, I think that's also another thing, like, to kind of combat the cynicism is it's not true that everyone is exactly, like, either red or blue. Right. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, waffling between them, and there's a lot of gray area. Mm-hmm. But I think that the practical effect on the Supreme Court was that because Trump managed to win the election, there are a bunch of seats that may have become a lot more liberal. For example, Scalia's or Kennedy's are instead becoming a lot more conservative. Right. And as a practical matter, that means that you're going to see a lot more conservative constitutional interpretations. Um, I don't know if it will be a total, you know, a total split because the conservatives now are at, at high. They've got four of nine votes. Right. And Roberts is mostly conservative, but he still swings a lot. Right. Um, and he cares about consensus. So I'm not certain that it will actually lead to the vast wave of conservative interpretation many pundits have forecasted. Right. But it's certainly a step towards there. And if, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's very old, if, you know, old people tend to tend to die. I mean, that's the consequence, the natural course of life. <laughs> like, First you get old, like then you die. Money over there, right? I don't want to, you know, knock old on the keysers on this yeah, you know, radio show. Old people die sometimes. <laughs> you know, y'all are gray-haired to me. Okay. I mean, and uh, but if 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 Trump were to confirm, say, switch out Ginsburg for conservative, then you would have five conservative votes. Yeah. Right. Spe- speaking um, of old people, being I mean, I I personally think there ought to be term limitations on these judges. I mean, somebody that's eighty five and ninety years old shouldn't be making no, that, that doesn't even know how to use a smartphone making decisions for our well, country you know, on the, on the procedure. The reason they do that is because of the borking. Because uh, once people, once you politicize the court. It very quickly becomes clear and obvious how to maintain control of the Supreme Court. You nominate the youngest, most politically reliable justice right. um, whenever you have an open seat, the mm-hmm. the most, you know, the most in your camp that you can get confirmed. Yep. Right. Um, and the youngest, because you want them to last forever. Yep. Yep. And then the justices know that if they, you know, if you are a, say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Trump is a nominee, you know that your judicial legacy that you care about is going to be undermined if you were to retire now. So instead, you hang on in the hopes that the guy, uh, and hopes that the the guy changes, and you'll have a president who agrees with you. I mean, you know, if if she if she sees a second term of Trump, my guess is she's probably going to try to hold on through that. I, I think oh, so. You know, know, I cannot imagine that yeah. she will voluntarily retire with a Republican president. Right. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that Kennedy retired, yeah. um, because uh, Kennedy is very pretty moderate. And if he had waited till after the election, maybe there would be a more divide in the Supreme Court on the Senate, and they'd be able to they could get a more moderate kid replacement. Yeah. But I think what drives that is that the the Supreme Court has become so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supreme Court decides something; it's basically irreversible. Um, I, mean, I mean, the only way to really uh, to change the law if that is to have some sort of amendment to the Constitution, well, which is the next Constitution, to impossible. There's statutory interpretations and constitutional interpretations. Right. When they interpret a statute, you can change the statute. But realistically, right. the American Congress is so dysfunctional that no one ever changes the statutes. Hmm. So if the Supreme Court says that, you know, versions five of the Voting Rights Act is unconstitutional, it needs to be repassed. Well, Congress could reauthorize it 
and if they could get enough votes. So they got other things to be dysfunctional over right now. Yeah, so they've, exactly. they've already moved on from that today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they've already, you know, and so relying on Congress to fix something often means that Congress won't, so it becomes the default, and now it's, you know, there forever. With the Constitution, you need an amendment, and the American Constitution is so hard to amend, as a practical matter, telling someone you need an amendment means telling them to go away. Right. Um, because it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if the uh, if the left wing of the Supreme Court had declared that gun, all gun ownership, all gun control was constitutional, and that you could ban any form of projectile weapon, then you said, say, "Oh, we could get an amendment." No, they can't. Um, the odds of getting that amendment through uh, an amendment uh, saying that gun control is unconstitutional is just as uh, unlikely as an amendment saying gun con- gun control is constitutional. Whatever the Supreme Court says will go. And again, more incentive for political parties to politicize the Supreme Court. Because if you really want your agenda to stick, you could hope that you'll always win elections, but no one always wins elections. Or you could just make sure you keep a majority on the Supreme Court, and then you can do what you want, and it doesn't matter if you lose elections. Because the Supreme Court will then declare that your policies are constitutional. Well, decisions, um, uh, I asked a little earlier, decisions can be overturned by this. Supreme, the Supreme Court, Court can Court, overturn correct? itself, but rarely does so. It has recently about recent, public sector unions. Right. Um, and for example, it in the uh, it also held that uh, Korematsu, which is the Japanese internment case, was on, was incorrectly decided, right. mm-hmm. um, which is something that everyone had kind of agreed, but no one had ever said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think though that relying on the Supreme Court to change itself, the Supreme Court is very reluctant to change itself for good reason. You know, consistency is an important feature in a legal system. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, balance. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's um, but it's also happened so rarely. There's a practical matter. It is a rare, if ever used, uh, you know, change in the law. Um, you similarly, you know, it, it's like amending the Constitution, you know. Well, uh, according to our uh, our University of Google overlords, um, you know, the last the uh, the last amendment was in 1992, the 27th Amendment. Is that you yeah. know? Sounds um, about right. And wasn't yeah. that um, limiting the ability of Congress to raise its pay? Yeah. Yep. So uh, exactly. Again, our walking wall dictionary over here. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Yeah, no, it was it was a big historical thing because the amendment was proposed as the Eleventh Amendment, you know, as part of the Bill of Rights. Right. But it, it died, and no one voted for it. And then two hundred something years later, um, a history student, you know, and a law, uh, I think a student of legal history, right. wrote a paper on it. He said, you know, we could repass this, and the professor was like, C, that's ridiculous. You know, he gave it a C grade, and he went and got it passed. <laughs> Just um, to prove and that was he, in ninety-two. That took a while. Uh, yeah, like that was yeah. That was a while back then. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. But that's the, that's the truth about constitutional amendment is, despite all the cultural wars, neither side strong enough to actually amend the constitution. So, if you control the Supreme Court, you control the constitution. So, uh, we'll be back after these messages. Please uh, chime in. You know, don't go out in the uh, in the hot out there because it is really rough. Stay in the air conditioning and call in four one zero nine two two sixty six eighty or one eight hundred nine two two sixty six eighty. We'll be back after this. WCBM Baltimore. A heat advisory is in effect until 8 o'clock this evening with high pressure and control, sunny, hot, and humid for the rest of this afternoon with temperatures in the low to mid-90s, but a heat index in the triple digits when you factor in the humidity level, and then clear tonight with a low dropping down to 74. An even hotter start to the work week on Monday. Sunny tomorrow, the high soaring all the way up to 97 degrees. Expect some more sunshine for Tuesday and the 4th of July on Wednesday. High temperatures each day should climb to the low 90s. I'm Jeff Marr from the Weather Channel for Talk Radio 680 WCBS. Synergy Realty Company, LLC, is a boutique real estate brokerage built to serve you. Thinking about selling your home? Sellers just mention this ad to list your home for sale with a 1.5% listing fee, which includes a home staging consultation and professional photography. 
Call 443-776-1846. We also have buyers covered. If you know a first-time home buyer, have them call 443-776-1846 to sign up for a free home buyer seminar that could save them thousands on closing costs, home inspections, and warranties. Are you a real estate investor? Maximize your portfolio by calling 443-776-1846 to schedule a free consultation. Or visit Synergy Realty Company online at SynergyRealtyExperts.com or call them 443-776-1846. If you're currently thinking about buying a home or refinancing your mortgage, it is very important to choose a solid, reputable title company to handle your real estate closing. And one of the best around is Summit Title Company. Summit Title has handled thousands of real estate closings in Maryland since 1985 and they are committed to the highest level of service at competitive fees. They're owned and managed by experienced real estate attorneys who work with a dedicated, professional staff to ensure smooth quality service for each transaction. Summit Title is located in the heart of Towson, but their settlement officers travel to any location in Maryland that is convenient for closing. So if you or someone you know is buying a home or refinancing a mortgage, you should contact Summit Title Company. Their phone number is 410-583-5353. Or you can find them online at summittitlecompany.net. Gain independence from outdated appliances and bring home a dazzling kitchen suite during our 4th of July sales event. Now through July 11th, 2018, take home sweet deals from top appliance brands, including Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, and Amana. Your new kitchen suite will sparkle like fireworks with innovative features and stylish design. Hurry into Lander's Appliance at 7032 Golden Ring Road before these deals are gone. Offer valid June 21st through July 11th, 2018. See store for full details and qualified models. When you got married, you took a vow to always be there for each other till death do you part. But what if the unthinkable happens? Would your spouse be able to make it alone financially? You need Allstate Life Insurance. Baltimore Allstate agent John Koch can help you get the coverage you need at an affordable price. Call John today, 410-931-1400, and ask for a complimentary life insurance review. Are you in good hands? Life insurance offered by Allstate Life Insurance Company, Northbrook, Illinois, and Lincoln Benefit Life Company, Lincoln, Nebraska. Have something to say? Thanks for taking my call. Have a topic you want to talk about? You've got me having heart palpitations with the topic. Use your key and unlock your voice. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I can't believe I'm talking to you. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. And now more of Law Talk with Bill Sherwood on Talk Radio 680 WCBM and WCBM.com. Hey, welcome back to Law Talk. And while we were getting ready to get off our air, the air, our wonderful uh, engineer and uh, wedding DJ back there uh, gave us a good question. And um, why, you know, why didn't you just give us a section of the uh, of the Constitution to be able to do annotations or appendix? So, when we look at the Constitution, the drafting history, we have a bunch of information about it because we know who wrote it. We know when it was written. A lot of them wrote it down. So, for example, you hear of the Federalist Papers like Alexander Hamilton and some other people who don't have famous musicals about them, hmm. <laughs> I think like Monroe and like John Jay, write this set of papers, mainly Alexander Hamilton, um, where they explain what they think the Constitution means. And if you're in the original school of thought, then you would say we should make an historic inquiry as to what the guys who voted for the Constitution thought it meant. 
And there are some problems with this. The idea of um, the Constitution as a living document. Yeah, so, well, first, they don't agree. All the founders didn't necessarily agree with each other. Um, I mean, for example, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, who were both there and both, you know, important leaders who had their opinions on it, they disagreed about pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore, what we have, when you have one guy writes down, oh, I, like Alexander Hamilton writes a pamphlet, and he says, I think the Constitution means this. Well, that's what Alexander Hamilton thought. What did George Washington think? We don't know. Well, um, one thing George you know, Washington didn't like was, you know, partisanship. Well, you know, you he, know. he hated it, but that's not in the Constitution. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And like, I want to get to that later. That's and, my problem. Um, <laughs> you also, uh, you also have to ask, well, what did the voters in like New York think? They're the ones who read the Federalist Papers. Well, we don't really know. They never did a lot of polling. We don't, you know, we're not really certain. There wasn't scientific polling back then. And what did the people who were, say, in North Carolina who didn't read the Federalist Papers? What did they think? We really don't know. Right. So there's problems with the historical inquiry, but a lot of historians will will go down that road. And usually they find that they can't really tell with any certainty because it's really hard to tell what people in 1790 were thinking when you can't interview them. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a historical archaeological project. And, you know, conservatives will say it's originalism and it's a great inquiry and this will tell us what the Constitution originally meant and the meaning doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're cynical, you'll say somehow every time you do this inquiry, you land on your conservative policy position. And cynics might think that, in fact, the conservative policy decision motivated the decision to embrace this particular uh, interpretation. Right. And uh, similarly, you know, so uh, liberals will say, oh, it's a living constitution and we should apply modern mores and we should um, uh, we should look at what the constitution means in light of the present day circumstance. But that itself is also problematic because I think it's justifiably arguable that what that really means is that they'll just pick their policy preferences and announce that's what the constitution well, has evolved to mean. Well, see, you know, I see this. You know, I'm torn because, you know, I like the idea of the original Constitution and as a living document, but three, two, three hundred, two hundred forty two years ago, these guys had no idea of what the technology is now. Yeah, you know, were, I mean, yeah. it, the Supreme Court justices that are, uh, Trump's going to pick and the next president going to pick are going to weigh in on cloning. Mm-hmm. They're going to weigh in on AI and whether AI has rights. Yeah. Sci- I mean, right now, there's some scientific experiment going on where they're putting, they're reanimating like Neanderthal brains and putting it in a, uh, in a robot. Okay. Mm-hmm. It sounds like sci-fi craziness, mm-hmm. but that's stuff that's out there right now. Yeah. What if it becomes cognizant and it wants to have rights? Yeah. I mean, these are all these weird things that we can't conceive of. How do you frame that in the original yeah, constitution? You're right. How about medically? All the, in- the enhancements that we're making and improvements, you're going to get a new heart. You're going to put a new brain. When did, when does it not become you anymore? Are you a different person at that right. point? Or are you, do you, ha- you need a different set of well, <laughs> rights? Um, like, I think that when you look at the, the, the practical, because like, they're, they're often very practical like flashpoints. So like a conservative might say, if you use originalism, you might say the 14th Amendment does not protect uh, the right to gay marriage because in 1860, that's not what they meant. And regardless of what you thought, that's clearly not what they meant because they didn't do it. And a living constitutionist would say, today, equal protection of the law, we're going to interpret what that word means to us in 20, 2016. And Justice Kennedy, who just retired, wrote the opinion that decided that that meant that, um, that uh, gays have a right to marry. And that mm-hmm. is a, I mean, that's the, you see those flashpoints, they're already there. And I personally, I've grown more and more cynical lately. Mm-hmm. I think over the last, you know, since I went to law school, and I personally, 
I'm skeptical that it is all is an Wait outcome. Wait till we get to our age, Bill. Oh, no. really oh, by that point, I'll probably be like, do we even know that they're justices? Who really picked them? Was I there? I read about it in a newspaper, but who knows? I mean, I got more cynical. Right. But, uh, it happens. Yeah, exactly. The I'm, I'm told get, it's a symptom. Yeah, the more cynical you get. Yeah, um, but I think there's some, some merit to the symptoms. And, you know, one of my mentors once said to me, when you look at an appellate, just, uh, an appellate opinion, any appellate opinion, even on civil procedure, um, a good justice could justify anything because they're lawyers, right? And they're they're good mm-hmm. lawyers because you don't get to be a justice without being a really good lawyer first. Well, here here's something that was uh, interesting that a lot of people don't know. You don't necessarily have to be a lawyer to be appointed to the Supreme Court. It's not a requirement, but I think right, that that's really. an example it probably of tradition. Helps, you know, well, you have to remember that back in 1790, <laughs> there weren't enough lawyers in this country, <laughs> right? Um, and the idea of a farmer being made a judge because he knew a bunch about law in 1790 that's not that ridiculous. Well, we've just elected a president who had no. Political uh, with anything, right? And no political yeah, experience. No politi- no political Nothing. experience. And that's what people wanted. So maybe no, right. that's exactly. not a bad idea. I right. want a Supreme uh, Court, but a non-attorney. Well, I mean, now you could see like where that could go. Yeah. a different way though. Like say if if we had President Hillary Clinton, she could appoint Justice Michael Moore, or mm-hmm. or if you have uh, Trump appointing Sean Hannity, right. each side yeah. heads are going to explode <laughs> with those <laughs> yeah. choices. No, okay, yeah, true. And the truth <laughs> is that there have been times where people who are not considered to be great. Great lawyers have gotten on the court. Right. Even in the, this is, you know, the relatively near past. Mm-hmm. Um, President Taft, I believe, wound up on the Supreme Court. Who? I'm, I'm just Taft. Yeah, but, <laughs> and people didn't think he was a good lawyer. Right. But he was a good justice because a lot of, a lot of judicial thought, especially before the modern era, focused on this consensus building and figuring out what the good policy was and then declaring that to be the law as opposed to a hyper-technical historical legal analysis. Um, and, you know, there's, so there's a long tradition of that kind of policy-oriented justicing because right. at some level that's what the judge is. Is He's not so much uh, an oracle of the true nature of the law and original intent. He's a social engineer, and he's got only a couple tools, and one of ways to measure his success is whether or not he produced a good social outcome. Right. Um, and, the theory, and the theory is that it would be a good judge will produce a socially wise rule and who cares about the nitty-gritty logic of it? Because what mattered is policy. Mm-hmm. So but people have moved away from that. People don't trust that reasoning today. So I wanted to jump back a little bit, too, about the 27th Amendment. And John and I kind of said something about this. So the 27th Amendment you know, made it that the uh, Senate and the Congress, they couldn't uh, give themselves pay raises in the term they were in. Right. Yep. And one of the uh, what was your what was the complaint you were coming up with there, John, about uh, compensation for those? Well, first of all, they still give themselves raises after the amendment was passed. And I right. think I'd asked you all. I knew I knew a tiny bit about it, but there was a little loophole that they uh, sort of slipped in there. Right. And yeah. they're still giving themselves raises. They're still giving themselves free health care for lives. They're still giving themselves. I think they get like retirement for like time of their income. Yeah, for their, just, and then, right. Joseph, so, you had a good I, well, I think point. You, you have to see an historic context. If you were, say, in, say, 1790 in, say, the British Parliament, which was a very aristocratic system, then they didn't mm-hmm. pay the parliamentarians. Why wouldn't you pay the members of parliament? Well, that excludes all the poor people because they can't afford to go be members of parliament. And if you go and then add on a bunch of costs, suddenly you have to be really rich in order to seek the office. Otherwise, you won't be able to pay to eat. But isn't that what it is now, though? Like, if you, um, know, you can't run unless you have a war It's test, a lot better right? than it used to be because it used to be that if you would get to be a member of Congress, you would still need a job, right. which creates 
all sorts of uh, conflicts of interest. Right. Because, you know, if you need a job, then, you know, someone comes to you and say, look, well, um, you work for my company, and if you don't vote the way I tell you to vote, right. then I am going to fire you, and how are you going to feed your family? But, I mean, or you can vote how I tell you, and here's a big stack of money, <laughs> and it's a... Uh, so, um, hold that thought. We've got a... Um, we got a commercial break coming up, and after the commercial break, we're going to talk to Jackson in Baltimore. Uh, well, he wants to speak about individual mandates. So uh, after this break, we'll get with Jackson in Baltimore after this. WCBM, Baltimore. Synergy Realty Company, LLC, is a boutique real estate brokerage built to serve you. Thinking about selling your home? Sellers just mention this ad to list your home for sale with a 1.5% listing fee, which includes a home staging consultation and professional photography. Call 443-776-1846. We also have buyers covered. If you know a first-time home buyer, have them call 443-776-1846 to sign up for a free home buyer seminar that could save them thousands on closing costs, home inspections, and warranties. Are you a real estate investor? Maximize your portfolio by calling 443-776-1846 to schedule a free consultation. Or visit Synergy Realty Company online at SynergyRealtyExperts.com. Or call them, 443-776-1846. As a small business owner, keeping up with the ever-changing marketing and social media trends can be difficult and time-consuming. Let SK Creative Solutions take the responsibility off of your plate. At SK Creative Solutions, they offer various marketing services such as social media management, website design, search engine optimization, and graphic design. SK Creative Solutions is a one-stop shop for all of your small business marketing and advertising needs. Grow your business today with the power of social media and website marketing. Visit skcreativesolutions.com for more information. Most doctors are not trained to diagnose and treat hidden car accident injuries like muscle spasms, back pain, neck pain, and headaches. The problem is that soft tissue injuries are not always visible on x-rays. One of the best ways to detect hidden injuries is a thermography scan. Call Dr. Mitch Adolph, D.C. at 1711 York Road, Lutherville, 1-800-511-BACK to schedule your free thermography scan. Space is limited. Call 800-511-BACK today to schedule your free thermography scan. Celebrating freedom every day. Fireworks and parties. Barbecue. Happy Fourth of July. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. And now more of Law Talk with Bill Sherwood on Talk Radio 680 WCBM and WCBM.com. Uh, welcome back, and now we're going to uh, we were talking about the Supreme Court, and we're going to go with Jackson in Baltimore, who has a question about individual mandates. Hi, Jackson. Thanks for calling in. Hey, uh, two quick ones. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court can it uh, change the requirement that health care companies cover you for pre-existing conditions? And the second question is. The guy who lives next door to me has a tree that hangs over my property, and the tree hits my house when the wind blows. Can I can I require that he cut that tree back? Well, um, 
so the on the off topic question, you know, I mean, if it's if it's peeing upon your, your property and across the property line, it is it is a trespass, okay? And you we you could go ten rounds with this person and try to get them to cut it back. The you know the most the best option to do is to try to have some sort of conversation with them to make them do it. Now, if they draw a line in the sand, you know, you, you do have to. Uh, you know, maybe get some legal help with that. And yeah, but in yeah. general, you should be able to get the thing cut back. Yeah, yeah. And um, if it hits your house, it's covered. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. covered on your policy, but right. unfortunately. And but, then your insurance company could go after uh, after yeah, the neighbor. I, I would suggest, too, sending a, a certified letter to your neighbor if you can't talk to him, and that way you at least have some kind of yeah, yeah. Exactly. showing that you made an attempt to. hit him on all the digital means like Facebook and email, because <laughs> that way you'll have actual proof that he got it. Call him out, right, on Facebook. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, you can just direct what message wrong with that? Nothing. Uh, I don't but know. in general, you know, there's there's a process for going through it and a way to do it without wasting a ton of money fighting with people. Right. But uh, you can get the tree cut back. But yeah. with the individual mandate, I don't think the Supreme Court's going to because I think the Republicans will beat them to the punch. Um, the in all likelihood, the um, the with the individual mandate, um, the Supreme Court's already held that the individual mandate's legal. Um, I don't think there's likely. I think someone might there might be a challenge pending to the pre-existing conditions rule. Right. But I, I doubt it will prevail. Well, in order for it um, to be in front of the Supreme Court, there has to be a case with it on point, yeah, and they got to grant a certiorari. There's, yeah, there's probably right. going to be an insurer who's going to challenge it with a more conservative Supreme Court, and maybe they'll succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be skeptical though because it would be a very controversial move. And um, if I'm an insurance company who's trying to get out from the uh, mandate against pre- that requires them to cover pre-existing conditions, then I just lobby my legislature right. uh, because the you president can do that incumbents. Quiet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president incumbents have talked about repealing it before, and uh, uh, on the odds, there's a decent chance. I mean, they it, it will you have to see wait past 2018, but um, I don't. Uh, I don't. I think it's also that a lot of the exchanges are kind of going to be undermined by the lack of the individual mandate. Right. From an insurance perspective, the individual mandate was created to cure moral hazard. Um, pre-existing conditions only make sense. Like the ban on the requirement that insurers cover them also assumes that we're going to basically coerce everyone to buy insurance. Yeah. Um, otherwise, without that coercion, then people will wait till they get sick and then they'll buy insurance knowing they'll win the bet. And right. that will break the system. Yeah, didn't we just try this here recently? <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, the individual mandate is already is already dead. I think yeah. as of next year, um, right. it's being phased yeah. out. And without the individual mandate, I you know I'm skeptical that so that, uh, that they'll need to Obamacare. reform the whole health insurance system yeah, because there's a moral hazard. That yeah. makes Obamacare so, die a slow death. So on on their own, can mm-hmm. insurance companies just decide? Well, we want to. Stop covering pre-existing conditions. I mean, are they okay to do that? Well, well they'll, what, they'll have to go to court. First. They, they go to court, and, and if they, you know, they start losing profit, they just pull out. You know, they just yeah. they stop offering coverage. If if you're forcing us to offer something that we don't want to do, that's going to cause us a loss, we're we're out. And they do yeah. that all the time. In Maryland, we, I think we only have two yeah, health carriers left in the state yeah, doing exactly. business. Um, because the demand, demand, it has problems economically. But they can't do it directly. They could file a declaratory judgment, and then they go to district court, and then they lose. Then they go to an appeal, and then they lose, and then they get in a bunk, and then they lose. And then they'd get cert, and maybe they'd win. Um, but could, you, could you slow down a little? Explain sure. That. So you, you take it. You have a district court case. You file your case. You go into federal district course, court, um, and you file a case saying that, that the mandate's unconstitutional. And cause it's probably because it's some illegal restriction of the... Uh, uh, regulation, uh, okay. illegal restriction of the um, of the market, and then you lose, and then you take an appeal. You go to the Fourth Circuit, 
and then you lose and then you take an appeal. Um, and that appeal to Supreme Court is a, uh, that's, it's called a writ of certiorari. And if you get four justices who want to hear it, then you get to the Supreme Court. And then you get your hearing in the Supreme Court, and maybe so you it's win. It's quite a process. Yeah, it takes, I mean, takes two and a half, three years. Yeah, and it, it's, it's going to take some time to, for it to, you know, to get up the judicial flagpole there, and you know, it would, it would be well past, uh, you know, the twenty eighteen midterms, maybe even close to you know the twenty twenty yeah, elections. This might doing now. Yeah, it seems unlikely that the Supreme Court's going to be the one to do that do that part. Mm-hmm. And it's also it's very popular, at least in Maryland and blue states. So they'll all just impose that by state law, because right. the states can also regulate. That's right. Um, so, uh, Jackson, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thank you. And then, um, you know, there was there were some other you know, things we were talking about before the caller and off and off the air. Um, you know, we are, um, you know, it was we were talking about how the the three branches of government need to need to need to work on um, and work with one another and be able like there was a there was a time when you know I said a president did not pay attention to the Supreme yeah, so Court. So historically, the Supreme Court has a very fascinating history in terms of the ability to enforce its mandates. Mm-hmm. The first big Supreme Court case is Marbury v. Madison. They say that we have the right to strike down that law, mm-hmm. but we're not going to order the government to do anything. That's right. what, it, what it boils down to. Is that we have a right to tell you what to do, but we're not going to. Mm-hmm. Right. The next time they strike down a law is like 25 years later. Right. Right. Um, because if Marbury had told Jefferson to do something in Marbury v. Madison, then Jefferson might have just given him the finger. Right. Um, and Andrew Jackson actually did give his Supreme Court, because <laughs> um, the Supreme Court said that he couldn't expel the Cherokee. And Andrew Jackson was like, you and one army and expelled the Cherokee. And <laughs> right. what's the Supreme Court going to do? Send his marshal to go arrest the president? I mean, right. aside from the fact that Andrew Jackson was a pretty crazy guy who would totally <laughs> shoot people. Um, but as a general perspective, the Supreme Court only is able to enforce itself when the other branches of government are willing to listen. And these days, the Supreme Court has, over the last 250 years, built up enough prestige that people listen to it, mm-hmm. and it would be shocking that anyone would ignore them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but lots of things are shocking. I mean, I, you know, I think that is a good lead into where we're going to come back in after the uh, after the news on, you know, basically uh, free speech and civil discourse. Um, but first, before that, we do have a quick call coming in. Like Greg and Over looks like he has it. Yeah. Um, so. Well, actually, we'll take Greg's call after the uh, the news break, and we'll talk about the tree trimmer information that he has for Jackson. Apparently, so we'll we'll take this after after news. Connected and stay informed on the number one news talk station, Talk Radio 680, WCBM, Baltimore, and WCBM.com. Who will it be on the bench? I'm Steve Rappaport, Fox News. Questions, concerns, and support over President Trump's next pick for the Supreme Court. Many expect a significant conservative shift with this selection. White House Judicial Advisor Leonard Leo says the focus will not be on overturning Roe versus Wade, as the president's critics say. It's about having judges on the court who are going to interpret the Constitution the way it's written. Illinois Democrat Senator Dick Durbin disagrees, saying not only is upsetting this ruling 
top of mind for the White House, but also finding a nominee. Who will make sure that they rule that the Affordable Care Act's protection of those with pre-existing conditions is unconstitutional. Both men on Fox News Sunday. The president says he will reveal his pick July 9th. Fox's Gernal Scott. The White House putting allies on notice before President Trump heads to Brussels for next week's NATO annual summit. I think the president has uh, made clear to all European leaders he's met with that NATO is an important uh, alliance for the United States, our most important. Uh, He just has a very uh, precise idea that the NATO uh, allies should live up to the commitment they themselves made to spend 2% of their budget on uh, 2% of the gross national product on defense spending. National Security Advisor John Bolton also on Fox News Sunday making the best of a scorching situation. We wait all winter for this heat and I'm not about to I'm not about to let it go. As a heat wave grips the eastern half of the US. We're going to be seeing spots getting again these are your actual temperatures, not your feels like. Your actual temperatures getting up to the 90s again today, and unfortunately that isn't leaving. 97 degrees today in New York City, guys. But we're cooling off. Good news. Only 94 degrees for tomorrow. Fox News meteorologist Adam Klotz. Another state goes green in a way. Recreational use of marijuana becoming legal in Vermont today. Fox News. Fair and balanced. blessing classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Germany's spy agency admits it once hired the daughter of one of Hitler's most powerful commanders. Germany's BND intelligence service says Gudrun Burwitz worked for the agency as a secretary in the 1960s. Her father was the Nazi commander Heinrich Himmler, and she had never renounced Nazism or his prominent involvement in the Holocaust. She only died last month. The agency saying it's confirming reports of her appointment as part of an effort to be transparent about Nazi links in its past. Critics say German agencies failed to root out right-wing extremists after the war finished. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. A suspect is in custody for a mass stabbing in Idaho. Police say it happened at an apartment complex Saturday night. The nine victims taken to a hospital, some with life-threatening injuries. A 30-year-old male suspect fled but was quickly picked up by police later on at gunpoint. There is no known motive and no known relationship to the victims. Police say an investigation continues. Fox's Chris DeMeo. Some big signings on the first day of free agency in the NBA. Warrior fans will be happy to know that their two-time finals MVP, Kevin Durant, will sign a one-and-one deal with Golden State worth $60.5 million. While LeBron James and his agent are talking with the Cavs, reports say the Kings' subjects are meeting with the 76ers in L.A. Max deals were made as the Rockets signed Chris Paul to four years, $160 million. 
Nikola Jokic gets five years and $148 million from the Nuggets. The Thunder signed Paul George to a four-year deal with $137 million. The Mavericks and DeAndre Jordan agreed a one-year deal with $24.1 million. Mike Demerges, Fox News. A soccer shocker at the World Cup. Russia eliminating Spain in a penalty shootout. FIFA saying it's the third biggest upset in World Cup history and the biggest upset in a knockout round. In today's second game, Croatia and Denmark are currently tied at one apiece. I'm Steve Rappaport, Fox News Radio. Stimulating talk, breaking news on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Sunny and hot for the rest of this afternoon with temperatures in the low to mid-90s and a triple-digit heat index. There's a heat advisory at the start of this evening. They clear overnight with a low of 74. Sunny and hot Monday with a high of 97 tomorrow. And some more sunshine on Tuesday and the 4th of July with highs each day in the low 90s. I'm Jeff Marr from the Weather Channel for Talk Radio 680 WCBS. Sean Casey for the Clearview Window and Door Company. Recently, Clearview came out and installed brand new replacement windows in my home. And what a difference. I couldn't be more happy with the results. The windows look great, even the neighbors are complimenting them. My wife shows them off to everyone who comes into our home, plus they're really easy to operate and clean. Best of all, Marty and the Clearview installation team were professional, and the job was flawless. Plus, they cleaned up before they left. If you want great-looking windows and doors, call Sam at Clearview Window and Door Company in Baltimore for 25 years. Take advantage of the seven-year, 0% financing, or up to 25% off project rebates. All windows are made in the U.S. of A. and are custom-made to fit your home. Visit a Clearview showroom near you in Parkville or Hunt Valley, or call 410-668-1110 in Parkville or 410-771-0771 in Hunt Valley and see why things are done right at the Clearview Window and Door Company and take advantage of their special offer and call today. Gain independence from outdated appliances and bring home a dazzling kitchen suite during our 4th of July sales event. Now through July 11th, 2018, take home sweet deals from top appliance brands, including Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, and Amana. Your new kitchen suite will sparkle like fireworks with innovative features and stylish design. Hurry into Lander's Appliance at 7032 Golden Ring Road before these deals are gone. Offer valid June 21st through July 11th, 2018. See store for full details and qualified models. The WCBM Studios are sponsored by Safe Retirement Solutions. Call Rod Baroy today at 410-266-1120 or on the web at saferetirementsolutions.com. Law Talk with Bill Sherwood is brought to you by Sherwood Legal Services. The lawyers on air are not able to give advice about any given person's legal problem over the air. Giving legal advice requires confidentiality. Attorney-client privilege won't protect conversations literally being broadcast from a radio. If you call into this show, the attorneys don't represent you unless you sign a retainer. No paperwork, no representation. You have no expectation of privacy or attorney-client privilege on a call. This is a live broadcast. It does not get less confidential than this. The attorneys can't predict how any given legal matter will turn out. Lawyers give legal advice. They can't give you tailored advice about your legal problems without an in-person interview. Please call in with your general legal questions. Talk with Bill Sherwood on Talk Radio 680 WCBM and WCBM.com. Hey, welcome back into our final uh, long segment of the Sunday Law Talk Show. And um, 
We uh, Jackson, if you're still listening, we happen to have somebody who wants to talk about the tree trimmer issue. So, um, Hot topic. Hey, uh, Greg, you're on the air. Greg and Overly? Yes, sir. How are you? Good. How's it going today? Uh, I've worked for tree service for many years. Okay. The law in the state of Maryland, well, in the city of Baltimore and Baltimore County, surrounding counties, clearly states mm-hmm. that if your neighbor's tree overhangs your property line and creates an issue for you, you have the absolute right to trim back to your property line. You could try to sue your neighbor for the cost, but the state of Maryland or the city or the county will never reimburse you from his pocket. Right. You have the absolute right to clear your property line. Right, because once it crosses over the property line, it's it's actually it's trespassing into your game. space. Correct. Yeah. So uh, are you still in the... Uh, in the landscaping business, Greg? No, well, I'm quite a bit older now. So okay. Because I was going to say, hey, if you want to, you know, give Jack your phone number over the air, go ahead. Um, you know, we're all about, you know, trying to help Promoting everybody business. out of our listeners and yeah. all. But and we had had an off-air discussion about airspace because Bill, we and we were just talking that, uh, you know, it, we can you go and cut the tree yourself hanging over on your property, and, and absolutely you can. But then if you kill the tree or you make the tree ugly, does that that opens the door to other? No, making the tree ugly has nothing to do with. It. <laughs> If that was the case, BG&E, when That's you true. the tops of trees that grow all to one side and eventually fall, yeah. would have no right to trim their lines on a customer's tree. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's not a good public policy thing there, you know? I mean, exactly. we wouldn't Obviously, power. you know, if you listen to our disclaimer, we can't talk about specific legal problems. <laughs> um, but I suspect BG&E has a weird rule, because BG&E is a publicly regulated utility with a bunch yeah. of easements. They just show yeah, up, and you, you, you'll come home, and the trees have cut off the top, and you're like, oh, what yeah, happened no, here? When I was going... Absolutely true. Yeah. BG&E does get an exception because of the fact that they are performing a public service and keeping the utility running. Yeah. yeah, no, we had a, when I was growing up, there was an easement behind our house. Um, and it was just this, you know, wooded easement. And occasionally, you know, BGE would, would show up and just chop everything down, would do all this clearing work. But not lately, because at least in Baltimore, um, they, uh, they cut their budget back and, you know. <laughs> no money. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, so it now got more of the storms to take yeah, everything I out. I think that's their yeah. new policy. Um, I'm living in an area now where there's underground power lines, so you know they don't have that's to do good. as much work. Um, well, hey, Greg, thanks for calling in. All right, but for your neighbor who's concerned about that, if he has the resource, financial resources, he can hire a tree trimmer to come in there and clear all the way up and back to his property yeah. line. He just better make sure he's got a clear um, showing where his property line is or he could be in more yeah, trouble, too. If he has a fence, <laughs> the general rule is if he has a fence, you cut back to the fence and you look straight up or you drop a plumb bob and you say, I take this tree back to this far, yeah. and he's completely within his rights to do so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And realistically, if you just do it, no one's really going to fight about it because it's a stupid thing to fight about, and I don't think anyone's going to object to you trimming their, their tree. Right. Um, right. well, you'd be surprised. Did, did that just happen in California where <laughs> one of the celebrities killed a tree because it was blocking his solar panel on his roof? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> California is itself a California is its own country, yeah. right? That's it's a first own... world problem. I would love to be the uh, attorney on, you know. You could charge that celebrity. <laughs> video him drilling holes in the tree, an hour, poison you know? in it. No. Hey, Greg, <laughs> thanks right, for listening. Gentlemen. Thanks for calling in. Day. All right, Greg. Bye-bye. Yeah, so uh, pr- prior to the uh, tree trimming diversions we've had, uh, you know, thank you callers for calling in. We do want to have all those legal questions, anything that pops up. Yeah. But um, we were also talking about, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, and also um, we're going to try to lead into some uh, a, a discussion of political discourse. One of the, I guess, the most recent 
um, I guess, divisive Supreme Court decisions was Gore v. Bush. Um, yeah, that was that was I think the king of cynicism, cynical decisions. Right. Um, it was. Um, I mean, it. I I'm too young to remember the pre Gore v. Bush world. But mm-hmm. if you want a case in point example for why many people believe that posi- decisions are made on a partisan basis, Gore v. Bush is considered one of the worst. Right. Um, because it was red versus blue. Yeah. So I, re- you know, I clearly remember this, and you know, being the political atheist I am, I wasn't a fan of Bush uh, Bush forty three. Okay. And you know, well, then again, you know, most politicians are you know pretty pretty hard for me to like, right? Mm-hmm. But the um, you know, so I remember watching the left during two th- the, you know, 2000 to 2008, and, you know, political discourse really fell apart there. I mean, you had a lot of people that were very eloquently out there, you know, you know, speaking out against Bush all the time, mm-hmm. but it, it didn't seem as bad as it does now, you know? Well, I don't know why that. I mean, maybe it's because I got rose-colored glasses. I, I back. think it's a recency bias. Okay. Um, there's a, I, there's some great historical work that's being done on it, and actually, that's like my millennial impression. At the ripe old age of 29, I think I was in sixth <laughs> grade, maybe okay. when this happened. Uh, maybe earlier, maybe fifth grade for Bush v. Gore. Right. Um, it's, it's it's the first mem- election that I remember happening, um, and. But if you look at it historically, the political discourse has been in a very brutal tailspin ever since the late 60s. Right. Um, as the, cause it, before the 60s, the party, partisanship and ideology didn't line up. Mm-hmm. And after in the 60s and 70s, there was a great sorting process. And until today, where the idea of someone being a conservative Democrat is in most states pretty extinct. All the conservatives became Republicans and all the liberals became Democrats. Well, there was, um, I mean, it, under Reagan, there was a bunch of Democrats that helped get Reagan elected. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, and, my uncle was one of them, and okay. uh, he's now a Republican. Right. Um, in fact, you could look at, for example, if you were in 1960, then the Democratic Party included a massive wing of Southern white voters. Right. And by 1980, those people were already quickly transitioning to Republicans. And today, I'm not certain there's even one Southern white Democrat. Like, there's, there's well, maybe I mean, one of those Jones Clinton, like a, a Southern Democrat? Yeah, but he was, he was on the declining app. Right. Because of the, there was a big sea change. Um, similarly, African American voters before 1960 had a lot of Republicans, and today they have almost none. Right. Um, and there, there was With a big, there's been some big shifts. And like, for example, um, the NRA as a political force dates to like 1970 change, like 1971 or 72. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, a lot of the social issues that today characterize a lot of the public discourse be, started being things in the 1970s. Right. Like gun control, abortion, feminism. All of those are 1970s, late 60s political issues. Um, gay rights starts off as a political issue in 1968, though it doesn't really get traction until the 90s as a, a widespread uh, wedge issue. Right. And there's been a lot of sorting, and that as making modern discourse feel uncivil. But so I, I don't know if it wasn't uncivil back then. I don't remember yeah. it. Well, um, I don't. But, I mean, John, you may have a better recollection of like, of things through the '80s yeah, than I, I do. I think though, back back then, it was more civil. People, there was less. I mean, know, even the whole Monica thing. And, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> even like, during Iran Contra. Uh, well. It, even during Watergate, it, yeah, but it still like, reached a different. Now things are at a different level. Well, you, you, if if a if a politician, without naming any names, went out and you know, nearly incited violence against the other party. Right, yeah. it backed it. It would have made the news. Or the the, the journalist would Absolutely. have been. What about Wallace? Yes. Who? Yeah, that's exactly. Today he's who. Well, that that was a, a crazy. 
He carried some states. Crazy man that right. came in and he uh, was he that shot. crazy? He carried five states. He was a political force. Right. He was a. I'm shocked to give you a history lesson for someone who you ought to remember. Okay. But he was a southern governor who yeah. ran on the policy on the, on the position of segregation. He was very, very right. Yeah. Very and okay. he carried a lot of states. He spooled a lot of Republican electoral chances. Right. Um, but then he, he was, was back he in was, the early seventies. Yeah. He's, yeah. Exactly. And he survived. Yeah, he someone a, tried to assassinate him, and he was right. given a very yeah, painful wound. Ended up in a wheelchair. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it. Um, and his political. A lot of his political supporters. Um, in their transition, wound up in the Republican Party, right? Um, uh, because they were very conservative, and the Republican Party became the party of conservatism. You know, yeah. I, I I can't quote the you know the exact like uh, you know, statistics here, but there's a lot of people out there that I've been hearing about are thinking that we're headed toward Civil War II. But right? People say that literally all the time. Yeah, but I I didn't hear that kind of talk. When people were complaining about Bush forty three, I mean, I think I think it's fair that people are really angry now. But then again, that's the nature of politics is that people get angry and then they get less angry and then they get more angry. And lately, they've been more angry and it's on a streak. Yeah. And um, a lot of media basically makes money infuriating people. Of course, they do. Because yeah. if you if you start hate reading a newspaper because <laughs> you're so angry at them, yeah. then they make money. Well, that that's part of the issue. Communications are so much come so now things yep. happen. So you find out instantly, and it well, we have a 24 hour news cycle. You know, yeah, it's just yep. a, it's a different exactly. time. And it you know, sometimes like that years we, you know, we know about stories thanks to Twitter and Facebook and all this before some of the news people are even yeah. talking oh, yeah. about it. If you want it, breaking yeah. news, you go on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. you don't even you don't even have a chance to hear anybody. You know, Team Blue or Team Red spin on anything. You right. know, something's happening within five. No, minutes. like if you right. were if you were watching on Twitter and you follow a lot of local reporters, then when there was the shooting at the Capitol Gazette earlier this, uh, or, you know, last week, right? Um, then you would have you would have seen that because you know there are reporters tweeting about it as it's happening, right. which is kind of you know it's horrifying that Twitter can get you that literally you know as it's going on. But it's also the nature of the modern news cycle. Um, news breaks on Twitter. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just to me. I mean, I understand not liking some politician for whatever stance they have, but shouldn't it be? You know, we need to go and vote and not actually go and harass their staff yes. no, I, or call I, I, for yes. journalists to have heads on sticks. A- absolutely. You know, no, exactly. yeah. I think I think it's toxic. It's also the more people, you know, use that rhetoric, you know, it, it, it stirs crazies up. Um, and, you know, I mean, is is the are the uh, journalists responsible for this then? I mean, um, I, that are, you know, spooling this. They certainly fuel it. Right. Well, I'm sure that at some level, the new, if you want to look at what happens in the public discourse, you need to look at the news media. But also, you know, it's not like the news media, you know, it's not like a bunch of media organizations control the public discourse anymore. Right. Um, it's like, for example, can anyone imagine well, Donald Trump's presidency without Twitter? I right. mean, I just can't. I mean, Twitter might not be here in 10 years because there were prob- problems monetizing it. But it's it, this it's unique also, forum. It's also easier to hide behind uh, social media. It, how It's right. much easier for me if I want to attack you. Yep. To do it socially, as opposed to face to face. Oh yeah, exactly. The anonymity of the it, internet encourages people to be much nastier than they would be in person. Yeah. Right. Um, and there, there's perks to anonymity, but also in political discourse, it's very corrosive. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, you have people that are basically you know, professional trolls out there. Yes. You know, yeah. they just they, they just want to flame everybody on. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. But, you know, and they get some kind of jollies about that or whatever. But I mean, it doesn't help. It's killing America. I mean, yeah. you know, we all need to forget Team Red, Team Blue, yeah. and we are all Americans first. Absolutely. On that note, we got to. Uh, we'll come back for our uh, final se- uh, session, and we need to go to a commercial break after this. WCBM Baltimore Synergy Realty Company LLC is a boutique real estate brokerage built to serve you. Thinking about selling your home? 
Sellers just mention this ad to list your home for sale with a 1.5% listing fee, which includes a home staging consultation and professional photography. Call 443-776-1846. We also have buyers covered. If you know a first-time home buyer, have them call 443-776-1846 to sign up for a free home buyer seminar that could save them thousands on closing costs, home inspections, and warranties. Are you a real estate investor? Maximize your portfolio by calling 443-776-1846 to schedule a free consultation. Or visit Synergy Realty Company online at SynergyRealtyExperts.com or call them 443-776-1846. If you need hotel accommodations for your business clients or out-of-town guests, the Hampton Inn Owings Mills is perfect. The Hampton Inn Owings Mills is located close to the heart of Baltimore. At the Hampton Inn, you'll enjoy the comforts of home and friendly service. Start your day outright with Hampton Inn's free hot breakfast served daily. In a rush and no time for breakfast, Hampton Inn Owings Mills provides free on-the-run breakfast bags. Available Monday through Friday. For lunch and business suggestions, their knowledgeable team members will direct you to the finest restaurants just minutes away. At the Hampton Inn Owings Mills, guests receive clean and fresh accommodations. Free high-speed internet. A business center open 24-7. Plus, guests enjoy a heated indoor swimming pool and access to the fitness center. Book your reservations for Hampton Inn Owings Mills at Hampton.com or call 410-654-2780. 410-654-2780. 4th of July is here and Rescue Natural Supplements is having a blowout Independence Day sale. Use coupon code WCBM40 and save 40% site-wide. Now, now's the time to buy Rescue Natural Supplements for heart health, energy, inflammation, sleep, vitamin deficiencies, and so much more. You've been hearing about these supplements for a while now, but did you know that the Rescue brand has been around for more than 30 years? If you haven't tried their high-quality natural supplements before, now's your chance to save big and get on the road to better health. Just go to MyRescueProducts.com or call toll-free 800-26-ALIVE. That's 800 800- 262-5483. And again, online is MyRESQProducts.com. That code again for 40% savings is WCBM40. Sale ends July 8th, so shop today at MyRESQProducts.com or call toll-free 800-26-ALIVE. That's toll-free 800-26-ALIVE for Rescue Natural Supplements. As a small business owner, keeping up with the ever-changing marketing and social media trends can be difficult and time-consuming. Let SK Creative Solutions take the responsibility off of your plate. At SK Creative Solutions, they offer various marketing services such as social media management, website design, search engine optimization, and graphic design. SK Creative Solutions is a one-stop shop for all of your small business marketing and advertising needs. Grow your business today with the power of social media and website marketing. Visit skcreativesolutions.com for more information. Hi, I'm Chris Wallace, inviting you to tune in this Sunday at 5 p.m. for an hour-long interview with today's newsmakers. That's Fox News Sunday on Talk Radio 680 WCBN. And now more of Law Talk with Bill Sherwood on Talk Radio 680 WCBN and WCBN.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're in our final small segment here for the for our Sunday show. Um, and, you know, again, we were, 
you know, beforehand we were talking a little bit about you know, civil discourse and how it may have changed. Maybe there's some, you know, recency bias on how we were perceiving things. But, you know, the world has changed with yeah. all the social media and the instantaneous right. uh, availability of people to be able just to reach out. Right. Like you can make the argument that Trump is president in large part because he was able to energize his base because of Twitter. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sure certainly think that historians, you know, when, when we talk about Donald Trump in, say, 50 years, then one of the things we'll have is his tweets. Right. Um, and that, that's an important part of the way I interact with the, the presidency. That's this public pronouncement and uh, interaction that you really didn't see previous politicians do. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. it, and I think it's, you know, it's it's changed in that now the pre- there's no filter between what the president says. Yep. And, you know, because you used to have journalists that would say, you know, now you could, you know, you can, you know, basically package it and put it out to everybody. Yeah. Now, if you look at old newsreels from like maybe like yeah. Walter Concrete yeah. to uh, Dan Rather, yeah. and there's a little bit of a different. I only know who those people are because of history. <laughs> right, right. Well, I were like, you can look, you know, pull them up on YouTube maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But like, you know, you. my recollection is it always seemed like everything a, was controlled. Um, everything. Yeah, well, they're, they're you, you fairly had highly scripted interviews. Scripted interviews. Um, there's not and, a lot of spontaneity. Right, and nowadays there's there's no cooling yeah. off period. It's said instantly. Yep. Everybody hears it instantly, and it's 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 a it's a fast reaction, and it's it's a shooting from the hip. Yep. And that's why it just seems and there's, so there's extreme. There's a lot more candid video. Right. Um, candid video during the Kennedy era. If people like candid video, then you know, Ken would not be good for Kennedy's image, um, considering his many and infamous affairs. Yeah. Right. Um, or similarly, you know, if people if Nixon had to worry about live mics and I mean, half his tapes got <laughs> out there. But, but the funny part is, when are these guys and politicians and people going to wise up? Everybody knows that things are instantaneous and that you're going to get yourself in trouble. When are they going to wise up and start understanding that? And and well, I think they already are. Under I mean, in you many ways, Trump is like an ace of the uh, love him, hate him. He's an ace of the instant news cycle. Right. Um, he's, he knows he's, how to exactly. play. He's Trump got a is. much deeper feel for it. But how many, than many of these guys you know, do stupid things? Tons. Just without yep. thinking. And, yeah, and politicians just, and, turn out to be really bad at the job of being politicians. Terrible. And I, it always blows my mind when you see, like, does anyone remember Carlos Danger? <laughs> I mean, that was one of the more ridiculous internet scandals. Right. Um, like internet age scandals. I love the name though. I mean, that's an yeah, awesome exactly. name. Exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, but that, that kind of captures that old way of doing politics. Yeah. And I think that my generation of politicians will be people who have been watching their Facebook feed for 20 yeah. years and mm-hmm. have turned all the privacy settings to max and are much better at cultivating mm-hmm. a digital limit. And if you're going to be in politics, what, what makes you think you're elected that you're going to get away with having six girlfriends and a wife? I, I mean, right. yeah. you're going to get caught. So. Yeah. Well, it, it used to be that, you know, there was maybe like unsaid protections by the journalists. Unless, yeah, it was. You know, I mean, yeah, unless exactly. it was really yeah. heinous, they wouldn't bring it up. No, exactly. Yeah. The journalists wouldn't yeah. publish about Kennedy's affairs because considered that private. Yeah. Right. Today, there's Boy, no such thing Kennedy as Kennedy wouldn't last two minutes in yeah, politics exactly. today. Right. Or, or, and, you know, part of it, I've always been, you know, skeptical of the whole, oh, my God, he had an affair with Sackham. Um, because, you know, after Bill Clinton, it felt, always felt very hypocritical. Yeah. Um, because right. Bill Clinton obviously was a notorious, it wasn't as a notorious womanizer. Right. Um, but like when they sacked, uh, uh David Petraeus because he had a, uh, he had an affair with a biographer. Yeah. I mean, right. I get that they sacked him because of the confidential information. Okay. But like, he was a really good general. And like, what? Yeah. He gets fired, but Bill Clinton did it? Yeah. Well, of course we right. say that, right? And, and, and sometimes we care whether our politicians yeah. are having affairs. And I mean, sometimes we no, don't. I, I wonder depends. if, I wonder if I have <laughs> a preference whether they Stay, and then I alter my reactions around that. Yeah, right. Um, because I feel like I ought to be still skeptical of why I mean, I'm less offended with it. Yeah. Uh, if they, if 
Obama was caught with a porn star, would there, would there have been as much... Well, the Republicans would have had a meltdown. You have to remember, though, the Republicans yeah. spent eight years in a meltdown, right. screaming their horse, and it got them elected. And now the Democrats are doing the same thing. I, I suspect the parties have latched on to outrage it's as a cyclical, political vehicle. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, you know, they think that they win elections by outraging enough of their base that everyone shows up angry and votes for them. Yeah. And honestly, it's probably not conducive to good government policy. Well, it's not good for America. Yeah, exactly. It's basically it's like they stir the pot, and the more people get angry, then like the more clicks they get, and the right. more, you know, the more money about. they're Media organizations make by selling people ads, stirring stuff up. I mean, Facebook was taking Russian troll money, yeah. you know, to, to go and troll people without regard to politics. They were, Facebook just saw green. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, that, and that's, you know, that's but, a good argument for the market. Like, you know, if you go back to the, uh, the, the cake, you know, you know, they decided not to take somebody's money, but, you know, Facebook is, Doing what they're, you know, hey, we're a business, we need to make money. So, yeah, exactly. And, uh, but there's a level though when, you know, a lot of the media organizations, I think, and political parties both kind of profit by keeping people in a state of permanent outrage. And at a certain point, you just get tired of it. All right, guys, we only have a few seconds left. We should do, um, our, our quick outros here. Um, uh, Bill Sherwood, Sherwood Legal Services. You have any questions, anything legal, give me a call at 410-366-4417. John. John Coke Insurance Agency, auto, home, life insurance specialist for 26 years in the Baltimore area, 410-931-1400. And Yosef. Yosef Cooperman, Law Officer of Robert L. Symes, Property and Casualty Insurance Law, and Insurance Law generally. It's what we do, uh, 410-366-5606. And you swear it's not boring, right? Yeah, I know. I certify <laughs> it's the most interesting line. topic in the entire All world. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Thank Happy 